That was a another of the things. Sorry, that was a huge tangent. No, that was <laughs> a great. great tangent. That was good. I've told you you should Trans- write a book, didn't I? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, you did. I would be terrible at it. <laughs> You'd be great at narrating it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, just put on the speech to text volume. Uh, <laughs> press play. The rest will take care of itself. Yeah, I think I think that whole idea of seeking truth and then like the utopia idea you were talking about, JR. Mm-hmm. I think it's just I'm speaking from experience, I think, and just observation. It's very interesting to, like you were saying, like different peoples, being non Christian, Christian. I found it very fascinating, just like when I was saying, I'm reading back my ol- old journals. Uh, and just observing the teenagers that you work with who come from a different uh, story that they've lived out or that's been written due to circumstance or however. I think it's interesting to think of, um, as you guys were talking, I guess, that kept going in my head. This is like the kind of the story that you believe, the narrative that you've kind of shaped your life around shaped your habits around, shaped your friendships around. Um, I think it's very important. I think reading back, I was just like, there was definitely a different story that I was believing about faith, about God. There was a playfulness and there was like, you know, being a uni student for a while and then like not having too much money to my name. And then it's just like, there was that rawness and there's the story that I believed at that time. It was that, you know, Matthew six thirty three, believe yeah. like seek him first and everything, and not that that's not tr- any more true now, but I think it's I- it's really quite interesting and maybe quite fascinating to just what you kind of hold on to, what story you hold on to, really can take you through things, whether it be you know negative where they take you and help you to make terrible decisions or it helps you to kind of live a healthier thing and for a while there there was that paradigm that you know I was living off prayer basically for a while because struggling through different things like trying to find financially and stuff and I think for me the utopia and the good thing and like the good life for me at that point in my story was that I had worship I had God uh, and I had good friends and that was all I needed and wanted at that time. And that was kind of the thing that being out in nature was like ritually every Saturday would just go hiking. And that was the story I believe, like the closer I could get to God, that's when I'd be fine. And then somewhere along the journey, there's a story that I started believing that things and titles and routines and pleasing people was kind of the way to kind of navigate life. And then, you know, Jesus was on the side. Mm. And I observed teenagers as they come through, like who have gone through trauma, who have gone through just uh, different situations. Interesting to see that um, that survival mode, but also like just seeing the light bulb moments when they realize that there is 
another way of living or thinking about how you could live or another story you could believe. It's very powerful. And I think as you guys are talking, it's just like um, Christians and non-Christians, like we all find our sense, I guess, of where we fit in the world by what we have continually told ourselves that this is who I am because blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is who I am because my parents are this or this is who I am because, um, yeah, I'm capable of certain things. I know musicianship or sports or academics or whatever it is. Like, And, yeah, it's interesting to observe that, not just kind of go to the cliche of like, you know, the story of the, the Bible and stuff, which is, story we should believe but it's just interesting how to know we kind of make uh, we all have our kind of our own story that we're trying to live out versus the one that's actually been designed for us and it's very interesting to hear how kids will like you in your own story and in the way you've lived your life till this point it's like what do you mean like that doesn't make sense but to a kid who's like had to be in survival mode because parents have done this or I've been homeless for a certain amount of years. It's like, what do you mean it doesn't make sense? It makes perfect sense to me because this is who I am. This is my story. And utopia for them could actually just be a roof over your head. Um, and I think, yeah, it's very, I think it's, I think it's good to examine the stories that we have because that informs the habits and of course flows into your friendships and stuff because I guess you know the fancy fancy word is liturgy but like there's we're being formed one way or the other um and that's yeah it's interesting to like that's been playing in my head recently because just listening to a lot of John Mark and it's just like stories are very powerful yeah and I think it's um very important to examine your habits because th- They'll tell what your st- what story you believe in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, from that, yeah, that's that's what keeps keeps coming in my head because I don't know where the phrase utopia came from, but I don't know, like, what's the original thought that came from that <laughs> word? But it's a uh, it's one that we throw around all the time. But we all, I don't know, whenever people say a utopia, I have this image of like an avatar situation, or like things are just nice and very Pocahontas vibes, but um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's very, even that, just like examining why we believe we should actually seek a utopia, like, is that a story that you believe in, like, like we were saying earlier, run away from struggle to find comfort is a better thought pattern <laughs> than to kind of like embrace joy in the midst of suffering. Um yeah, so I think, I know for myself, there's a lot of rethinking and a lot of ways to kind of just do apprenticeship differently to Jesus because we're doing apprenticeship to something, the world, our ideas, um, being formed by it. So, yeah, yeah, that was interesting, like the stories you believe. <laughs> That's what I kind of came f- running through my head anyway. Again, yeah, your stories can 
Yeah, like the the Hebrew tradition of like oral history and stuff, and things being handed down. Like, it's very important, like who you tell your stories to. I think, and who's actually in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we actually learn a lot um, from certain cultures that put that a little bit higher, so that we can go, oh, that's a bit weird. Maybe we don't know what it is. And mm. and that Aboriginal culture is very big on that storytelling. Oral, tra- oral tradition. Oral traditions are usually focusing on the stories that people love to hear. The Greeks, that was a huge one for them as well. The ancient Greeks. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Think about the you know Greek tragedy or the Greek comedy. Those were periods where they were talking about what would happen if you went up against the gods because the gods were not to be messed with, so you've got to fall in line. And if you don't, well, there's an example of this story mm. um, and well, you don't want that story. You want a different story. So Nowadays, it's usually a little bit more subtle. So the big one for us probably in the West would be advertising. You turn on the TV or you <laughs> look up on your mobile and... You're getting sold something, and it's mm. it's silently giving you the allure of promise. If you buy this car, you'll be this person. Yeah. You know, if mm. you do this thing, then you'll become that. And so we we live by covenants. We live by things that are mm. given to us as promises for that better world. Mm. And you go all the way back, really, really far. The first person that really started talking about this and actually got it recorded, and it didn't get destroyed, was Plato. He would be talking about the good life. We're all trying to figure out what the good life is. Hmm. And so it's a question. Um, but the question is often received not just with a simple answer. It's usually in the shape of a story. Because we then take that story and we find ourselves in that story and then we try to live that story out. Hmm. But that means that stories have in an immense amount of power to them. And what happens if we get the wrong story, right? Or what happens if we don't really notice that we're inside a story? Yeah. J.R. Tolkien said it's like we've fallen into a story. He puts that in his Lord of the Rings um, novel. Novel, yeah. It's like we've fallen into a story, Sam says to Frodo. Mm. So we don't always notice it. We don't notice that we're, you know, living kind of railway lines mm. that have been structured and that's how we use to navigate certain situations because yeah. that's what we should do, right? That's what yeah. um, is going to lead me to this thing over here. And, mm-hmm. and it's quite hard, I think, when we go through periods where we're confused or we're in pain because we become less clear of who we are or we start to realise that we weren't really living by one story but really by another. By another. We start to find out things about ourselves that kind of worry us or shame us or scare us. Mm. And I I wonder if, well, maybe the whatever internal turmoil happens as a result of encountering contradiction to the stories that we might not have been aware we were living, Mm. Um, whether or not those in itself are signs that tell us, oh, I've actually not been living um, in inside the truth. I don't know who it was who said it, but um, there's this n- someone alluded to truth is what ha- 
truth is when is what happens when um, your internal world meets reality, and they clash. Or maybe it's reality is what happens when your insi- inside expectations um, are dashed by what's outside of you. Along those lines, but um, just thinking through that and how ridiculously well our lives, every person's life, I'm convinced of this, that our entire, every single person's life is very, in some really weird way, ordered to, um, to the way that they will the the internal story narratives that they believe will always be tested and and I don't know like there's obviously a ton of factors about that but I think I'm fairly I'm fairly confident that I'll still get to you know like I'll get to 50 and um, even though I might become more comfortable in my own skin, there will still be a way for um, my life and lived experience to challenge whether or not the stories and narratives and principles and presuppositions that I'm holding on to, whether they are worth holding on to, whether they're holding me, or whether or not I'm just... I've subscribed to a new, you know, maybe it's a nad that's subverting, that's underneath there, that's kind of really the driving force. It might not actually be um, truth. Because um, I think one of the one of the really clever ways we, our civilization has come to do things is how to uh, deposit seeds of thought within people in a way where they might not necessarily be aware of it, but they fall into the story. Um, and, you know, maybe now more than ever, we people are so inundated. I'm, I'm really speaking for just probably our civilization, well, our society, not necessarily the rest of the 50% of the world, but um, we probably... S- as well so inundated and have access to so many things that the, um, I guess, maybe self-awareness of, oh, I've fallen into a story. It's not necessarily, there's not a lot of space for it to be to be thought through and gone, why am I doing, like, why do I have these behaviours? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're so accessible to everything. Oh, I've got two screens up right now. <laughs> you know, I've got two screens up and... Um, <laughs> The level of incoming mm. is actually is beyond the created human capacity to actually be able to process. Yeah. And so, when you take away that space, um, and I don't know, maybe, well, obviously there is the Jesus clearly refers to the ruler of this world, and so that it's it's really set up in a way where to follow Jesus. It's actual, it's actual work, you know. It's actual intentional effort um, where you have to make room for it. Otherwise, 
there are things within me that are just like subscribe to this and this and this and that, and um, because of because of because God is continually interrupting people and, and shaking them. Well, not shaking them, but waking them. Um, I'm realizing this more and more, and then going, okay, wow, we're, we're super distracted. We're we've got this. So that's why I think I'm convinced that life is so well set up to to challenge these narratives and and these stories that are in there um, to an extent where we kind of have to wake up and go, why am I doing this? You know, more than any really created created creature to be self-aware enough to and also to self-correct um as we as we walk so i think there's 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 definitely um worth it's worth paying attention to pain it's worth paying attention to to suffering because it's and i wasn't always of the mindset of that <laughs> Like like I said before, I wanted to go like the other way, which is a narrative. I think um, I would like I would have wanted to go complete opposite direction to pain and and suffering. Um, whereas actually, there's there's there are gifts in it. Like how silly does it sound saying that there are gifts in pain and suffering? We're probably the only followers of particular religion where it describes the source of that religion and the god of that religion as somebody who actually is behind suffering as well so usually it's you know suffering is almost an entity and it's you know waged against but even with yahweh it's it's still a part of my plan he says yeah, that's crazy. In fact, I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. In fact, y- you want happiness? Happiness is really good. Mm. But suffering can be good too. Actually, suffering is good. He keeps us there. He allows us to kind of be in it. Mm. I remember, what, uh, interestingly enough, that same director s- has this great line, little monologue in Night of Cups where a playwright in Hollywood played by Christian Bale is going through a series of relationships and he's having a conversation, a pastoral conversation with someone near the end of the film and this person gives him some advice and he says, you know, suffering is transcendental. It's transcendental. It, it, it lifts us up from the world. It allows us to kind of see beyond a happiness that we would deem for ourselves a different kind of happiness. Mm. And that we could actually, in fact, consider that a gift when somebody like that would send us suffering. What a strange thing, but... (laughs) (laughs) Mm. It does, it lifts us up. We hear better, I think, when we're Mm. in pain, when we're in suffering. We hear differently. That's very true. We don't want it. We don't want the suffering and we don't want Mm. something that we have loved so dearly to be lost. Mm. Um, And so we can't stop that. And that brings up, you know, the immense, uh, 
feelings of helplessness and rage and all of that. Mm. Um, and that can be terrifying too, but there's something more than just what we're going through. It, there's something else that's kind yeah. of unfolding. Yeah. And yeah, we're falling almost into a different story at that point. We're given a chance to see if maybe we've been living a story that is preferable but not needed. Mm. And we sometimes don't get those opportunities very often. No. We do. We get uh, put on an autopilot. We have so many things uh, given to us. I, I often think about what it would be like to be my parents uh, or my grandparents at particular ages, like their working mm. years. Uh, it probably wouldn't be surprising to know that each of you came from families that maybe just had the one TV growing up. Maybe, maybe yep. more than one, but... More often than not, just the one, right? Yep. How weird is that? Yep. To think back, <laughs> and that's not that long ago, really. Mm. I mean, it, f it might feel long to us, but li like historically speaking, we're living in one of the most comfortable periods of history. Yeah. Doesn't mean we don't have problems, but boy, do we have blessings. Yeah. Maybe too many. <laughs> yeah. We can get distracted with that. It's so true. Um, yeah, it is so true. We... I was listening to a guy who talks about how the past, maybe these things got probably accelerated for us or heightened during the pandemic to um, the instability. But he refers to it as a, um, like, instability is normal and the past... 15 to 20 years of stability and comfort, um, um, which I think has probably been connected to economic growth and technological advancement a lot more than anything else to create the kind of conditions that we have. He says that's actually been an illusion. Um, and I think that the other thing that's um, really interesting about humanity is we have ways of self you know, of, of initiating self-delusionism and taking that in instead of um, pain, suffering, whatever reality has to offer, not necessarily always pain and suffering, but whatever reality has to offer in, in a way, um, like coping mechanisms. Um, Heart is deceitful above all things. Right. Who can understand it. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremiah. <laughs> it's it's Thank amazing. Yeah. Um, even in the context where he writes that, right? Which yeah. is which is a I'm warning you context like, hey. Don't trust your heart. Uh, I'm just mindful of times you got ten minutes. This just went so deep. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, you must come back. <laughs> you know, like this is can't do this without you now. 